You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's up? Good morning. It's Thursday, June 11th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, joined right now by Brandon Marcello, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. Brandon, it's Pac-12 time as we make our way through your projected order of finish for each conference. And I mean, this seems relatively wide open with the exception of Oregon, who everyone's picking to win the Pac-12. You know, how are you feeling about this league overall going into 2020? Uh, a lot of parity. Um, you got three first-year coaches. Um, you've got uh, two, three teams that return a lot of starters, but you also got some new quarterbacks in here in the mix, and then also some quarterbacks on a couple of teams that started coming on late last season that I think could actually push some teams to life a little bit, and I'll get to them later, but one of those teams is UCLA. Um, but but to me, like you said, this is Oregon's conference this year, but I know everybody everybody's talking about USC right now, and we'll get to them later, but I think there's another team out of the Pac-12 that's going to challenge Oregon and it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be USC. Ooh, I'm excited to get to it. Let's start, though, in the in the north. And spoiler alert, Oregon's won. Everyone's talking about how will they replace Justin Herbert, and it could be Tyler Shuck or Anthony Brown, the grad transfer from Boston College. But regardless of what they do on offense and, and how they figure it out with Joe Moorhead as the new offensive coordinator, this team is so loaded defensively. One of the best defenses yeah. in the country last year. They returned nine starters. They bring in two five-star linebackers. I'm really excited for this team. Yeah, I think it's going to be the best defense in the Pac-12. Um, only really challenged maybe by Cal, um, which returns some great playmakers from their defense last season. Uh, Oregon's just going to be the best team all around. They're built – I you know – Pac-12 fans are going to hate hearing this, but they're built like an SEC team, and that's because Mario Cristobal has kind of approached it from that standpoint. Build it out from the trenches on back. Don't don't go out and try and get quarterbacks and finesse things and everything. And I mean, everybody, yeah, like you said, Justin Herbert's gone. Yeah, okay. I think Tyler will end up being the starting quarterback from conversations I've had, including with Cristobal, even though they haven't had any practices. It certainly sounds like they're leaning toward him. But, I mean, you got C.J. Verdell and Travis Dieback. They combined for 1,700 yards last season. Um, they do lose four offensive linemen. That's a little bit of a concern. But they got the best offensive tackle in the entire country, the Penny Swell, coming back. Um, and then here's the other thing about the offense, I'll say. Having Joe Morad at offensive coordinator, when I was talking to Cristobal a few weeks ago, he said that he's changing things up a little bit. Um, with what they do. And he was talking about how if he's in, they're in one play, there's going to be so much freedom for the quarterback, no matter who it is, to adjust out of it. And, of course, everybody thinks, well, they're audible out of it. But there could be something that they play off of that has like three different options out off of one play 
that's going to be very easy for these players, including the quarterback, to remember. And he feels like that's going to help them tremendously to be able to adjust on the fly. Plus, Joe Moorhead, what we saw at Penn State, and even a little bit at Mississippi State, incredibly uh, imaginative with his play calling. I think that's a big boost for that offense and is going to negate a little bit of whatever drop-off they have at the quarterback position. Fun schedule for them. North Dakota State in week one with one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Trey Lance, and Ohio State in week two. Both of those are in Eugene. All of the hard games are in Eugene. It feels like Stanford, Washington, USC, and, and Arizona State. Take us through the rest of the North. I really like who you've got at number two. Yeah, I've got Cal at number two. A lot of people think they're going to be in the middle of the pack, but I, I think they're going to finish second in the North. Um, they listen. I mean, listen to this. This this is it's pretty simple for me. They have the most starters returning the Pac-12. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> they were pretty good last season. Ninety-three percent of their offensive production returns from last season. Guess where that ranks? Number one in the country. Wow. The offense. The offense was not great last season, but with all those pieces returning some tweaks they're making on the offense. I like Chase Garbers as, the, as a quarterback. They Sure, they, they struggled to score three touchdowns a game, but they return all that offensive production. And it's not just all the starters across the field, but 93% of the offensive production's back. There's going to be some consistency there, and they're going to jump out of the cellar with their offense. And if they do that and couple that with a defense that's anywhere close to what they were last season when they allowed 21 point nights. 21.9 points per game. Uh, watch out for Cal. And here's the other thing. They get Oregon and Washington at home this season. That Circle that Oregon game. Yeah. If they, they can upset Oregon because of the pieces they have coming back, particularly on the defense, but if that offense could take not one step forward, but two steps forward, this could be a team that comes out of nowhere and challenges Oregon for the North Division. As you move on, I'm really glad, though, that you did not take my Cal stat, and it's that Chase Garbers, the quarterback, started and finished seven games last year, and Cal was 7-0 and in those games and 1-5 yeah. and in the others. So, I mean, they were 4-0 and in the, in the top 25 when he was healthy to start the season last year. So keep an eye on, on his durability. Keep going, Brandon. Well, got Washington at third. Of course, new coaching staff, but there's a lot of carryover there. Um, my question's at quarterback. You got three quarterbacks going to be battling for the starting spot there. You have to replace your starting running back. But the good news is most of that defense is back. And guess what? Their head coach was the defensive coordinator. There's continuity there. So the defense has a chance to kind of keep them in some games this year. That's why I've got them third. I think they're going to be one of those teams that could teeter one way or the other, but I think they'll end up finishing in the middle of the pack. Um, Right below them, I got their rival, Washington State, and the Apple Cup is going to be a lot of fun this year. A good defense against a offense that's transferring from the air raid to the run and shoot under Nick Rolovich, and I don't think there's going to be much drop-off there offensively. They have to find a new quarterback. They lose their top two receivers, but listen to their, listen to their schedule. They get Utah, Arizona State, and Oregon at home before the Apple Cup. And with that offense and what we've seen with Nick previously, I think they could upset a team or two, and that'll be good enough for them to finish about fourth in the North Division. Tell us a little bit about Rolovich because he's his, his hire was did not get much publicity. I feel like it happened at at midnight whenever that news broke, and 
you know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch Hawaii football. So for yeah. those of us who really, I, speaking personally too, Brandon, I, I don't really know that much about him, but why, why could he be a really good fit here? Well, like I said, they're going to a Well, number one, their personalities of him and Leach are so similar. It's almost like they're bringing in his Mike Leach's brother to take over <laughs> Washington state, maybe a distant brother, I should say. Um, here's the other thing. He just knows how to win especially in some big games. He was two and one in bowl games uh, at Hawaii. Of course, if you watch, if you stayed up late and watched those Hawaii games last year, which I, I did a lot because usually when I'm done covering a game or writing, it's late, late, late. And, I, and that's pretty much the only football game on uh, that and some other Pac-12 games. But that offense is a lot of fun to watch. And I think it'll transfer well, one, in the Pac-12, but also with the talent they have at Washington State. Sure, they, they missed the quarterback. They got a couple of receivers they got to replace. But Mike Leach had stocked that place up where it wasn't like elite talent, but he had players to fit that system who were kind of in, that were developing and laying in wait. And I, I just think there's going to be not necessarily a seamless transition, but Nick's going to be able to, to get them in line to where they're going to be able to operate this run and shoot a lot more effectively than, say, if he went to, well, Stanford. I'm kind of worried about where you have Stanford at five <laughs> in, in the North and four and eight last year, three and six in the Pac-12. They return a lot of talent. They've got a former five-star quarterback, Davis Mills, going. But if David Shaw can't get things back on track here, I wonder if we're, we're watching the beginning of the end. You, it, you could be watching the beginning of the end. I, I don't think he'd be fired because he's only had one losing season in nine years, and that was last season. Um, of course, like a big storyline nationally was just the mass exodus they had with people in the transfer portal. I think they had, by my count, I might be wrong here. I think they had 14 kids in the transfer portal. Um, some of them actually came back to Stanford, but 14 total that left. Um, that's huge, including uh, Costello, who went to Mississippi State, uh, speaking of Mike Leach. But um, the, the issue with Stanford is they had a lot of injuries on the on the offensive front last season. If that doesn't happen this year, they're going to be better. They're just going to have to be better because when you're dealing with that many injuries in the trenches, it's going to affect you. Um, the defense, though, terrible. But the pass defense is okay, which is, which is interesting because when you think of the Pac-12, you think, oh, that's a, that's a conference where you, if you defend the pass, you're going to be in a pretty good situation. Well, Stanford's issue was in the trenches. And that could still be an issue this year. So the schedule's tough, too. They have to go to Oregon, and they have to go to Cal. I, I think Stanford's going to have about a similar record as they did last season, maybe another win or two. Maybe they get the six wins or so. Um, but five or six wins is kind of looking like the likelihood for me. Yeah, then you've got Oregon State bringing up the rear. And they made progress last year under Jonathan Smith, five and seven overall. And as we move on to the south, our parting shot at the north has to be last season. The standings were such a mess. Oregon won the north, yeah. eight and one in the conference. But the, the second best team in the north per per the conference record was a tie between Oregon State and Cal, and they were both four and five in the conference, and Washington as well, four and five. So a, a total. It, it's. I remember a few years ago, the Pac-12 South had like this five-way tie. Yeah, for second place, and it feels like the North is sort of stealing its act. Yeah, and here's the thing with the South. Um, I think it's wide open again this year, and every everybody, I guess, is just assuming USC USC 
is going to win the South and go to the Pac-12 championship. I got seven, 17 starters returning, blah, 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 blah. And I'll get into them here when I tell you where I actually picked them. I don't trust Clay Helton, man. I just don't. But anyway, so who do I have winning the South? I got Arizona State. Dude, I was one of those people who laughed their butt off when Herm Edwards was hired. And he was making up all these weird positions for the coaches and everything and all these strange titles and saying all this strange stuff about what he didn't understand about college football. Didn't know the Man. mascot. <laughs> yeah, it, but he he's turned it around there. And last year, their largest loss was by only 10 points. They were in in, in every game, every game. Now, the problem this year is going to be the schedule. They have to go to USC. They have to go to Oregon, and they have to go to Washington State. And the reason why I got Washington State on there is because I, that could be one of those upset games for Washington State. But Jaden Daniels returns a quarterback through 17 touchdowns, only had two picks last year, and most of the defense returns. And I just um, – I, I might be wrong in this, just like I was wrong about Herm Edwards when he was first hired, but I trust Herm Edwards over Clay Helton right now to hold that team together and and get it done and emerge from the – what it's going to be just jab after jab, I think, in the in the South Division this season. Yeah, Jaden Daniels is special. Four game-winning drives last season as a true freshman. I, I think he is the front runner right now for a very early pole position to be the number one pick in 2022. And that'll be, you know, him, Sam Howell, North Carolina, Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end at Oregon. You know, Derek Stingley's in that draft too. But Jaden Daniels, if you guys out there haven't watched him yet, is as special as it gets. The College Football Daily will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Um, number two, I've got Utah. Now, I, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this because I've got them over USC, obviously, and everybody's wondering where's USC. And I like, I, you know, we talk about analytics. I trust analytics to a certain point. I guess I only trust them if it fits my opinion. <laughs> but Utah only has 37% of that production returning from last season. Um, Lowest in the country. Yeah, yeah. Two starters returned from the defense, which, (laughs) yikes. But, hey, Devin Lloyd returns. He led the team with 91 tackles. Um, And the offense has has four of their five starting offensive linemen back. What are they going to do at quarterback with Tyler Huntley gone? Is it going to be Jake Bentley, the transfer from from South Carolina? I think so. I think it'll end up being him if he can stay healthy. But uh, we'll see if they can be consistent. They get USC and Washington at home, and then also they get to avoid Oregon in the cross-divisional. But like I said, I think it's going to be a little bit of a mess in the South, and um, I trust Winningham over Clay Hilton. (laughs) <laughs> I feel the exact same way. When we did our preseason top 25 rankings, I, I put Utah in there and it matches up with, it doesn't make any sense. You look at the returning starters, you look at the returning pro- uh, production. But to me, it's it's 
I mean, yeah, we entered the season last year and saying, okay, Utah could have five to seven defensive players drafted, but none of these guys were were really, you know, high level first round talent type guys. You just trust that system. You trust Kyle Whittingham. You trust their player development and the fact that they're going to figure something out because it's so rare that they don't uh, compared to a USC. And it just, like you said, man, I, I, you got a veteran coach who gets it done year after year after year. And at some, at some point when you get things rolling at a program and it doesn't matter what level, like a Clemson when things are rolling or Alabama and things are rolling or Utah, which is a step or step and a half below that potentially you get that rolling. The idea of reloading is not that big of a task for a coach who has a good feel for the systems they run and obviously for the players they've recruited and developed. So I've got Utah too. And what's going to be, like I said, a kind of a muddy South division race. All right. Tell us who you got a third. All right. I got USC. They didn't fall too far, but still that's far enough for Clay Helton to potentially be fired. Um, 17 starters return. I, I hear you, everybody. They got a lot of analytics on their side. Uh, their quarterback, who was phenomenal last year, 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, and completed 72% of his, his passes, he's back. He's got his top two receivers back. The two best running backs are back. Nine starters, uh, or wait, yeah, nine starters returning on defense. The good for them on the schedule, they get Arizona State and they get Cal at home. That's good. Um, but they have to go to Utah and they have to go to Oregon. Um, and, and, yeah, and ahead. they start, well, talking to schedule, Brandon, they start the year with Alabama and that is, yeah, well, I'm talking conference only. I know, sure. but, 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 and I know you are, but the, we've seen Alabama in the past, just break people in the Florida state, in, Florida, Florida state, state, a couple years ago, USC, a few years before that USC was rolling out this new regime. Max Brown was was the guy, and of course, you know he gets just crushed in that game. And a few weeks later, Sam Darnold emerges. But yeah, that Alabama game in Week One—if that's too ugly—that has the potential to set a tone that's just a demoralizing comeback for USC. I, think. I, I mean, that that's completely possible. I didn't think of it that way. Um, and like I said, I don't know if I trust Clay Helton to kind of keep the cavalry together um, and get them focused on week to week. Um, I, I question some of his decision-making. They've got all the talent in the world. Now, not the most talented team in the country, and it might be the second most talented in the Pac-12, and they should win the South because of, just because of talent. I, I, ju- I just if, – if they had a better coach, and they, they would win the South. They, and they would have won the South last year too. Um, and guess what? They had five losses. Yeah, a third place finish probably means a new coach at USC, but you never know. Most likely. We, we we thought that the last two seasons. So you well, know. the other thing to consider here um, with the coronavirus and athletic departments tightening the belt, the, the people might be less likely to make changes. But you know, it's USC man and all the talent they've got and top ten finishes in recruiting right now. They they deserve better than a third place finish in the in the South Division of the Pac-12. Yeah, especially when you got a quarterback in Slovis who we talked about Daniels being a 2022 first-round pick. I think Slovis is there too. So you, you can't waste all that talent. Crosstown, I'm going to spoil it. You got UCLA at four, which is high, I guess, yeah. considering yeah. what it could be. I like the way they played late last season. Um, 
you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson had almost 3,000 yards total at 25 touchdowns. The issues only got two stars returning along the offensive line. And the defense <laughs> allowed more than 34 points per game, but a lot of starters returned. So maybe there's some, ex- you know, obviously some experience, but maybe they get better there. Obviously, the recruiting's not great at UCLA, and it's definitely not what everybody was expecting. And, you know, that's what happens when you're Chip Kelly and you don't have Oregon money, um, you know, and the Nike symbol and a Nike, uh, you know, building everything for you. But I think UCLA will do enough to kind of get finished <laughs> finish fourth in what's going to be a weird South division. Um you know, we'll see. I, I did struggle with this one a little bit, but I like the way they played late last season. There actually seemed to be some life in the team for once, and it was just the second year of the Chip Kelly era, so I, I've got them finishing fourth. Yeah, we'll see. Well, uh, well, I mean, fourth is good for, what, like a four and five conference record last year, so you hope that they can get things done in the non-con and get to that first bowl game. Another coach like in, in L.A. who – Maybe on the hot seat, but again, coronavirus might change all that up. But speaking of hot seat, let's move on to five. Arizona, Kevin Sumlin probably needs to get it done this year. It's oh, yeah. not like Arizona fired Rich Rodriguez because of on-field results. So yeah, yeah, there's a high expectation still. Yeah, I mean Arizona's having winning seasons and now. Kevin Sumlin gets there and they're having losing seasons. Um, I mean, we all know what happened with Khalil Tate and just the complete waste that happened there. And last season, losing seven straight to end the year, struggling to crack, crack double digits in the final month of the season offensively, and someone's an offensive coach? Yikes. Um, they got Paul Rhodes coming in as a defensive coordinator. That's fine. Paul Rhodes does a great job. But they got to get that offense turned around. You know, Grant Canella, quarterback, Played, I think, about seven or eight games, the gate games last year. I'm not too confident in him. Um, plus, they lose JJ Taylor at running back. I, I just don't see Arizona getting it done this year. And um, if they finish with a similar record as they did last season, I think they they'll have to make a change at at coach there with Kevin Sumlin. I think they would just have to. Yeah, his days as the quarterback whisperer and Johnny Manziel. Yeah. I I was going to say it seems like a long time ago, and it was almost ten years. Lastly, it's a very Cl- long time ago in the coaching yeah. industry. No, you're right. Absolutely. Cliff Kingsbury can sympathize. Um, lastly, Colorado, they had just gotten so excited about the Mel Tucker yeah. regime and, and he leaves and Carl Durrell now. And I feel like expectations are really low. It's hard for me to get excited about Colorado one day being good again. I still view them as like a, a program where if they're if they're good if they're kind of fun that makes college football more fun i don't expect them to be a power but back in the day they were always at least for a while pretty pretty uh competent and, and now i just don't know if they will be and the last time they really like grabbed at least grabbed my attention gosh it was uh 15 plus years ago i don't remember what year that was you know when they were beating opponents like 63 to 15 and stuff like that um, and just running the ball over people a long, long time ago. Now, Carl Durrell comes in. I mean, he's got a lot of work to do. And here's the, here's the other problem with it. Because of Mel Tucker leaving so late in the process and then Carl getting there when he did, that's going to affect things, especially because of, of the coronavirus situation and not being able to work with players as much as they want to. 
they've got to find figure out who the new quarterback's going to be there. They lose a lot of big time starters. I, I just don't see them being able to turn it around. And and I I weigh consistency and system and trust in a system much more heavily this year than I do any other year because of the coronavirus situation. And Colorado just obviously does not have that right now. And uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rebuild when it maybe shouldn't have been as big of a rebuild had uh, Mel Tucker stayed there. You got Oregon beating Arizona state in the Pac-12 title game, Brandon. Yeah. um, Revenge. Yeah. And Oregon's just too talented, man. And I think this is this is the year the Pac-12 finally gets back in the playoff, and it's wow. Oregon. Um, I, I think they're going to do it. You know, you know what it reminds me of. You might be too young. It reminds me of Tennessee me. when they it reminds me of Tennessee when they had Peyton Manning. Yeah, too young, and they and couldn't get it, and they couldn't get it done. And then T. Martin comes in at quarterback the next year, '98, and they get to the BCS national championship first year of the BCS national championship and win it. Um, I could see similar things happening in Oregon. Maybe not winning the national championship this year, but maybe having a better overall record and making a bit more noise because they're a better team all around. And like I said, I think I trust system. I trust their recruiting, obviously. They've done a fantastic job there. And they play a style that while also creative in the passing game, it's just going to wear opponents out in the Pac-12. And uh, I, I think Oregon's going to win it, and I think they're uh, going to go to the playoff. Just really interesting how times have changed in the Pac-12. And this is, you know, Washington's won in a few years with 7-3 to three wins or 10-3 to three wins. And defense now is winning championships there. And you can contrast that to the SEC, where, you know, it's just a wide-open offense is, is the best re- recipe. And, you know, we've got the SEC coming Friday, and as we wrap this up, and man, if Brandon, if we went 25 minutes team by team on Pac-12, like we got it. Like w- mentally, I hope you're ready to do the SEC because that thing is going to be a monster come Friday morning. Yeah, well, uh, like the Pac-12, and in some instances, like who are the quarterbacks that are going to step up in the SEC? Who are those guys going to be? Um, Everybody assumes Alabama is going to be Alabama, but um, I don't have as much. Uh, I, listen, we'll talk about the SEC later, but there's teams like USC. You know, I don't. I don't know if I trust LSU this year going into the season without a freaking once in a generation talent like Joe Burrow at quarterback. I just I don't know if I see it. But anyway, we'll talk well, more about that later this week. Yeah, that's a nice little teaser for tomorrow. But today that wraps up the Pac-12. Uh, we'll see if you're right come this fall and that will do it for today's episode of the college football daily for brandon marcello for our producer tony levitt i'm trey scott we will see you on friday